Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devils, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
Вечеця дуже моя, я спомню накази Ісуса Христа, небесную славу побачу там я, там більше буде наліс моя. Сегодня с нами есть. 
Субтитры 
If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture 
that continues to contain the depths of the riches and wisdom of God, the unsearchable treasures of Christ. Matthew 5:45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We have noted that and this is so, this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all the generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves, that is, are not students, they have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets in which we died by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. Romans 4.13 For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent, together with the person who represents the fatherhood or a father to us. It's unfortunate that, for the most part, Christianity does not differentiate the faith of God from their own personal faith, and if that's not enough, they can't even determine uh, faith in general they say it's a specific feeling uh, they say I feel something God's faith is information that comes from God by the preached word of his sent people as the apostle says not all have received our report for faith is from hearing not all have received this report uh, have accepted it and call it the faith of God faith is from hearing it says in the Bible have God's faith and our, our faith is obedience to the faith of God these are two absolutely different things there is a captain and a warrior of Christ that is obedient to that captain. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God 
that have clothed themselves into a student of Christ. And so they are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated ones. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his, of his faith to the faith of God which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence, ourselves, into the holy and selective love of God. Holy, that means selective. God doesn't love everyone in general, but those specific people. Jesus loved his church and not the whole world, and he committed himself for her, cleansing her, washing her with pure waters, so she'd be holy and without blemish before him. The Heavenly Father loved the people in this world, the Christian people in the world, not the world, but people in the world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that each one that believes in him uh, that first part is unfaithfully interpreted by people that God so loved the whole world but it's referring to only those who believe in him it's not a completely accurate uh, place God so loved in this world each one who believes in him that this one, everyone that believes that's in this world of evil would not perish with this world but have eternal life because this very apostle writes that we not love the world or what's in the world because everything that's in the world is the lust of the eyes lust of uh, and uh, the pride of life as well. Colossians 3, 14, 15, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. When we are clothed into the love of God agape, then in our hearts the peace of God can rule to which we are called in one body and be thankful. We have noted that according to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God the love of agape will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The love of agape is very, is absolutely different than the human love of man, the love of man or human love. Uh, familial love or fr uh, love of friendship there are different types of love in uh, different languages including the Russian language uh, love uh, is the same word toward everyone just like in English uh, uh, loving horses and chocolate and your friend and your husband everything's the same word but in the ancient languages uh, they did have distinct words different words for different uh, types of love it's not possible with one love to call love for items in some languages and also to God and your spouse. And so God's love, God's love agape is the greatest love. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and his children.
In Scripture, the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture, by the preached word of his apostles and prophets, and it's presented in the form of seven unchanging virtues, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. And I completely agree with the uh, ancient expression that Christians have adopted that this is the ladder by which we need to enter heaven. And if in our character, our character is not transformed and we don't have this kind of love agape that would have these elements, then we will not be able to come to God because this is the only ladder by which we can go to God. And these qualities are in Jesus Christ. He has these natural characteristics and only in Him, being in Him and having these qualities, we are able to enter heaven. Each of the seven qualities of these fruits of virtue are one in the other, contain the characteristic of all the other qualities, which is why they flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. These qualities, these seven characteristics, are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities presented in these seven characteristics are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich, and especially in these last days. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, which is possible when we leave spiritual infancy and come out of it when we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for the corrupt desires of our soul. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit will never be able to enter such a heart and will not knock upon the door of such a heart. He knocks upon the door of the bride, a person that does not possess these qualities or virtues of a bride and comes to church, speaks in tongues, he does not belong to the bride. Absolutely, and does not the body of Christ either. The body of Christ are not all the saved, but the chosen from the saved. And these chosen are the ones that will be saved. The rest are the chaff, which will be given to the fire. I understand that for some people this sounds uh, uh, scary. Some people tell me, who do you think that you could, who do you think you are that you say this? And I say, it's not I, this is Jesus who said this. For many are called, but few are chosen. And so all of those complaints, you can, uh, Jesus is the one who said these things. In order, in order to 
receive the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. And the means that we are to utilize to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises in the form of the fruits of our spirit, we become part of God's divine nature, which is why the selective love of God our confession or confessions of our faith become equal in power to the power of the words that come out of the mouth of God the, sele the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love which is filled with egoism, greed and is just temporary because the selective love of God is uh, is a seer, it sees, uh, it sees so well, it sees before the creation of the world. But tolerant love is blind in nature and people agree with that. They have many different sayings and when I say this, these, I repeat some of these sayings, love is a fool that you can even love a goat. But God's love is absolutely not so if you want to say that God loves everyone then God's love is also blind because he then doesn't see who he falls in love with and who doesn't so does he fall in love does he love then the lawless one and the wicked one no of course not he loves those who love him and hate those who hate him because of this or due to this the power of the selective love of God in the format of these seven qualities of unearthly virtue is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person and destroy the stronghold of death maybe someone did not pay attention I did not congra congratulate you as usual when they say Jesus is risen why? because every service we start with this when people say Christ has risen they speak of it like uh, something separated from them that at some point that Jesus had, uh, had risen my son said that he met with a uh, a brother and he said Jesus is risen uh, uh, he said, told him that gentleman and that gentleman said wait uh, we need to wait a few a few days before we start saying this and then uh, my, my son said well but he already he already resurrected so we can already say that and that gentleman whispered quietly well truly he did I guess and so when we proclaim that we have resurrected with Christ he didn't uh, resurrect separately from us uh, and we speak of us resurrecting with him together the resurrection of Christ needs to be enthroned within our heart and that we be clothed into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person then we not only and every service we uh, start with these things we talk about it continually we meditate about this continually and so the bond of perfection of the selective love of God 
is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical goals and purpose of purposes of man at the same time the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes you're my brother you're obligated you're required you are my mother you are my wife you are my friend how could you do this well he says this is wrong to do that but how you have to lie for me because you're my friend together you have to agree with me because you're my friend this is a, an egotistical love God's love is absolutely not this way here is what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm for love is as strong as death jealousy is cruel as the grave its flames are flames of fire a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown this godly love in the heart of man. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 867 The measure of the love of God is identified by and known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. We need to keep in mind that evil and good are programs that by themselves are not able to be demonstrated or demonstrate themselves if they are not put into a programmable uh, system or a carrier, which is a human heart. We for ourselves choose which program to receive and follow you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions Hebrews 1 9 this is taken from the 45th Psalm of David Psalm considering that uh, lawlessness and and righteousness are programs loving them ab in an abstract form or separate from a programmable system is not possible so when you love the righteous you love the righteous righteousness and the righteous one and hate lawlessness and the lawless one the Lord tests the righteous but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates you see he again does not love all in general upon the wicked he will rain coals fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup for the love is for the Lord is righteous he loves the righteousness his countenance beholds the upright Psalm 11 5 through 7 the wicked are not people of this world to be wicked you first need to be holy and only afterwards you can become wicked because the wicked are the people that in the church of saints uh, cast shadows upon the person that is placed by God trying to take his place this is the wicked one the most the first wicked one was the fallen cherubim because he uh, thought in his heart to take God's place to go upon the heights of the heavens and be as God and he, as soon as he thought this uh, he had this thought in his heart he was 
thrown out. He was first a great angel. He was close. To, uh, he was close to God. Judas was also holy, but then became wicked. He betrayed Christ for money. Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in His reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of these seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ, or lead us into the perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father, so we can shine the light of our Son upon the just and the unjust and pour out our reigns according to God's intentions upon the righteous and the unrighteous, righteous for the good and unrighteous to, the, to punish them. Considering therefore that these seven qualities of virtue identifying the selective love of God do not have an analog in the, er, in the earthly realm of the human lexicon that is in any dictionaries of this world. We will not find it in any of the dictionaries of the world. The love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law opening within our hearts the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses, in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He foreknows us before the creation of the world because he has this ability to foreknow ahead of, to know ahead of time. Before creating something, he already knows how this creation will behave when it comes to the truth. And so when he foreknows anyone, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8.29. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects, and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. When it says, I stand at the door and knock, a person needs to open up uh, the door for themselves. Uh, an infant in Christ cannot hear the voice of, of God, because he hears voices everywhere and he follows all the voices and he is following these deceptive voices <clears throat> people of the flesh also are or carnal of the carnal mind are also led by their own mind those that are of a carnal mind their intellect is their God they have their own head their, they have their own Bible as they say and they for themselves decide what is right and wrong and how to understand it what you need to remove from scripture they say because this is not exactly correct in one brotherly uh, Pentecostal council when I was showing them that the washing of feet bringing forth the book of Luke that washing of the feet was before the Passover. Then one of the brothers stood up and said, we need to remove the book of Luke, of Luke brother, because this is a not God-inspired book. And all the brothers were quiet. And I thought, my goodness, where are we going? There was over a hundred people. They all got together to listen to the teaching. What is this teaching of Christ? And somewhere inside, a couple of people came, approached me after the service and said, Brother Akari, you need to know that 
You are a person of God. You speak the truth. We agree with you. But when all of these people are against that, we will also be there uh, with them, but we're not actually in agreement with them. We're agree in agreement with you. And I, then I thought, imagine, how can you, how do you think you'll end up in heaven when in your heart, you had one uh, thing, but you were doing or behaving in, a, in the opposite way. The unfaithful will go to hell. So, the selective love of God, it never violates the rights of, of man. It knocks upon the, the heart and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stop to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 And I remind us that all God does all of this by his bride, or by the confessions of his bride. That it may be that it be made known to the principalities in heaven, the many forms of God's wisdom, they learn about God's wisdom again by looking at the Church of God. Hell also gets to know God's wisdom by looking at the Church and is obedient to that wisdom because it conquers the trickery of hell. The world, when it sees the true light, they are obedient to that light. But God is not yet showing that light. He just is not yet showing that light to the world. He's showing to specific people, but not showing it to the whole world. And so the world is looking at the denomination of uh, Pentecostal, Catholics, uh, and all kinds of denominations, and by that, that they judge how God is and don't want this kind of God and don't want to worship such a God. When they look at these people, they uh, pretty much, uh, the world rejects uh, these people because there's hypocrisy, jealousy, and so forth. Give power to these people and they will destroy the world in blood physically. Give power to the Baptists. Today they will drown all in blood. Give it to the Charismatics. They will destroy all Christians in blood, but just the Charismatics will remain and so forth. The Pentecostals will come to power in the world. They will drown in blood the world. The Catholics, same thing. And so God has not allowed that these political powers be in the hands of religious people. Religion is a dead faith. It's an opium to the nation, and, he, and this is correct. It is a drug. Living faith is a very different thing. And so by demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness, we identify the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of man, in his words, his actions, and the manner in which he dresses, which isn't supposed to prompt the instincts of the opposite gender.
Further, we note that there is a fundamental difference between the goodness of God in his favor toward man and the godliness of a man, which he is called to demonstrate in his love to God. For example, the godliness of a man in Scripture in Hebrew means his favor to God, his grace to God, and his thanksgiving for the redemption that God has done. The godliness of a man is the ability of a man to visit the fatherless and widow in their hardship and keep themselves from being defiled by the world. The godliness of a man is imitating Christ and meditating about the things of the hills, seeking God in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The godliness of God is his goodness, his thanksgiving as a response to the goodness and thanksgiving of a man toward him, his favor and his great grace toward man, his mercifulness toward man, his thanksgiving, his good work, his good acts, his kindness in the absolute sense of the word but only response, as a response, come to me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, it says. If a person turns to God and hears the truth, and he reacts to this truth correctly, then God will immediately react toward him. When the father saw the son who left him, he had chosen his lot, but as soon as he came to the conclusion that he has nothing and he realized what he had done, he became saddened in his heart. He looked at where he is, what he's clothed into, whom he serves, and how he suffers, and in the house of his father's lots of bread. And he was very doubtful if God, if his father will receive him after everything that's happened. But perhaps he would receive me as a servant. And so he stood up and went. And the scriptures say when the father saw him, the, fa the son was still at a distance. He ran to him. And when they say, God, and when people say that you uh, make you take a step toward God and he takes two toward you. Uh, God's love is unsearchable and is not able to be compared with, with uh, human love. Can you actually, if you imagine as uh, the son is afraid, he's not running, he's going slowly. He's not confident in the fact that he'll be received. But when he sees his father running to him, he stops. He can't run to greet him. He doesn't understand what's going on. And when the father comes to him, as he's coming to his father, the father takes him in his arms and kisses him. The son didn't even have the chance to tell his father that he wants him to receive him as a servant, but he didn't have the chance because the father immediately 
called his servants, told them to slaughter the best of the sheep they have, bring shoes, put them on their feet, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, and the the, uh, parable finishes with uh, the angels who rejoice about the children that have returned. It's talking about people who left God but then came back. That's how God's love is. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there's also a counterfeit form of godliness that exists as well, that conflicts with and resists the true form of godliness, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. First, uh, 2 Timothy 3.5 If we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits, which is why we, together with them, will inherit the prepared-for-them destruction. Relevant to this fact, we have been looking at one of the signs contained in question 4. And this is to be the cloud of God filled with, it, filled with his moisture and scatter his light that is turned by his guidance for correction for his land or for mercy. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Listen to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced, whose wondrous works of him, who is perfect in knowledge? Job 37, 11-16. And so this place of scripture states that God's love is not a tolerant love, it's a selective love, and that he sends his rain as good for one and, and as a curse for the other. Dispatching his clouds for correction or for his land or for mercy, according to his will, means to be a carrier of the favor and punishment of the one that is perfect in knowledge. This is one of the fundamental elements by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are collaborating our favor with the favor of God. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, those who were God's children but fell away. But toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off, Romans 11.22. Demonstrating God's goodness toward one and his severity toward another, we become carriers of his justice within his holiness. The phrase, do you know, when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine, indicates the fact that not all clouds are able to be clouds that God dispatches and causes the light of it to shine, but only those clouds which provide God a basis so that they can contain his moisture in themselves. This is confirmed by another place of scripture. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds and it's again not foreign clouds not other clouds but his thick clouds yet the clouds are not broken under it he covers the face of his throne and so this cloud having God's glory this weight the clouds are not broken under it he covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it Job 26 8 9 
and to differentiate the clouds of the Most High in the form of the saints that fear God from profane to his nature clouds in the form of pseudo-saints that do not have in themselves the fear of the Lord it is necessary for us to know that our ability to provide God the basis to fill us with his moisture and our readiness to scatter his light and direct it according to his guidance is our function by fulfilling this function we demonstrate our favor to God the function to fill us with moisture so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit and be turned by His guidance is God's favor which is His response to our to Him favor, demonstrated in our readiness to be filled with His moisture. And so relevant to this, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. First, what virtue do the scriptures give the cloud of God? What purpose does the cloud of God fulfill? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that God establish us as his clouds? And by what signs do we determine that we are truly the clouds of the Most High? We note first that to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, it is necessary to scatter your light from your cloud upon the just and the unjust and pour out the received from God moisture in the form of rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Second, we are called to release the moisture that we have from the Heavenly Father in the form of rain and scatter His light according to His will and not according to our whims or conclusions. In the New Testament the meaning consisting in the purpose of being a cloud of God is locanically presented in the following words, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God those are the sons of God, Romans 8.14, which means that if we are not in accordance to the requirements of a cloud of God capable of being filled with his moisture and scattering his light for the purpose of correcting one and demonstrating mercy upon the other, then our sonhood needs to be seriously questioned. When it talks about clouds lacking moisture who are tossed to and fro, to all uh, by all kinds of deceptive teachings that are profane to God, we have been studying the category of people located within the Church of Saints that do not have the Spirit of the Lord and resist the Spirit of the Lord. If I speak even in angelic languages but do not have love, there is no good in that, Apostle Paul writes. We've been looking at the cloud of the Most High as the category of saints that are led by the Holy Spirit by the means of their new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And this means that the clouds of the Most High can only be those saints that have grown into full measure of growth in Christ and are in accordance to the demands of perfection that is inherent to God. Further, we've noted that the clouds of the Most High that are within God's possession is a symbol of his great mystery that is called to fulfill a vital role in the work of adopting and redeeming our body from the law of sin and death. Therefore, the cloud of the Most High in Scripture is a symbol of the glory of God, the place where God abides, the clothes into which God dresses, and the midst from which the Lord speaks. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at the first three questions and will continue to study the fourth question. By what signs do we determine that we are the clouds of the Most High? First sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are the clouds of the Most High consists in our deliverance from 
from Egyptian slavery. Saints who will not allow God to deliver them from Egyptian slavery, which is identified as the position of spiritual infancy, will never be able to be the clouds of the Most High, filled with His moisture and pour out His moisture in the form of rain, according to God's guidance, as correction for one and the mercy for another. Second sign by which we can examine ourselves as to whether we are the clouds of the Most High consists in having a goal-oriented and active waiting of the Lord Jesus. Again, there's a specific goal-oriented goal, and as birds they direct themselves. The third sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are the true clouds of the Most High consists in our ability to collaborate with the intelligent aspect or mind of our new person demonstrated demonstrating the mind of Christ and our spirit with the wisdom of God and His mind. Again, so the mind of me, uh, the mind of the soul, is not able to collaborate directly with the Holy Spirit. The mind of our new person is supposed to collaborate with the Holy Spirit, and the mind of our soul needs to collaborate with the mind of our spirit. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds, uh, clouds dropped down the dew. When we are talking about clouds, these are people that are led by the Spirit of God, and they drop down the dew, and dropping down the dew is to teach. Moses said that your uh, teaching will uh, drop down as rain or pour down as rain. In the given proverb, it's talking about the foundation of the earth and establishing the heavens in the body of a man, in whom the collaborative action of the Thummim and Urim, identifying the wisdom of God in the spirit of man, the depths were opened up and the clouds dropped down due. And such action can only happen within our body after we receive the promise of the adoption and redemption of our body from slavery of sin and death. We have more than once looked at the revelation of how a relationship between God and man and man with God is subject to a specific order, where the intelligent abilities of our soul are not able to directly collaborate with the truth of the preached word and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth that is within our heart. The responsibility of such cooperation belongs exclusively to the intelligent abilities of our new person. Therefore, so that the revelation of our heart obtained by the co cooperation of our spirit with the Holy Spirit would become accessible to the intelligent abilities of our soul, it is necessary for us to place our intellectual abilities in absolute dependence from the intelligent abilities of our sacred person, which upon practice means that the intelligent abilities of our soul are called to co cooperate with the intelligent abilities of our sacred person created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth. And now in the light of the given revelation linked to the actions that are to take place within our body so that we can provide proper basis to the Holy Spirit to form us into the virtue of the cloud of the Most High that would be able to drop down His living dew upon the form by Him in us earth. Let us once again read the uh, being studied by us proverb.
This is a proverb. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. When it's a proverb, it's not talking about founding the physical earth, because a proverb never means something literally. It's talking about something. It uh, says something and has a different, its own meaning. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Before founding the earth with his wisdom and establishing the heavens with his understanding, God needed to create the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, Genesis 1-1-2. The creation including the heavens and the earth is presented in an unfinished form as the depths of water that the Spirit of God hovered over to give God the ability to form a foundation for the depths of the waters of the earth and establish the heavens. If the format of the given place of Scripture is applied to forming within our body earth and establishing the heavens, then we see the birth of our new person in our body who because of his appearance in our body was in an unfinished form where, the, where his earth had no foundation and his heavens were not established. When we're born from God, the word, but from the word of truth, we are in that situation that this earth was in. It practically didn't exist. It was in the depths of the waters. Because until a person grows into, into the uh, measure of fullness of growth in Christ, the wisdom of God, the unification of the Thummim and Urim, is not able to dwell in his heart in order to found his earth and establish his heavens with intelligence and break up his depth so that his clouds would drop down dew. The ability to grow into, me into measure of fullness of growth in Christ is something a man can do only after he stops stumbling and go going after various winds of teaching produce produced by the trickery of men and artistic deception and starts to be led by the Holy Spirit. That is the preached word of the person whom has the delegation of a father of God, a person who stumbles and runs after all kinds of winds of teaching, is a person whose conscience is not yet cleansed from dead works for the reason that he, by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, has not yet died from his nation, for the house of his father, and for the corrupt desires of his soul. The corrupt desires of the soul of man existing in his carnal state always clothes a man into garments sewn of fig leaves, which represent a man's personal righteousness and his own personal good work which re rejects the righteousness of God and the goodness of God and is ob observed by God as resistance of his truth. First looking at the first phrase of the studied by his proverb, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth in order to examine yourself as to whether you belong to the cloud of the Most High, it is necessary for us to examine ourselves on the presence of a foundation of our earth and if the physical world is God's possession then considering the fact that we are studying in this proverb the earth that is in the body of saints we conclude that only a good earth that is the good soil in the body of man is the Lord's and therefore only a good soil of the heart can be founded by God we need to ask the question by what criteria do we need to examine ourselves on the element of God 
With his wisdom uh, founding within our body, our earth, which is able to receive and grow the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven within our body. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Psalm 24, 1-2. According to the given revelation, we conclude that God has founded within our body, our earth, upon the seas and upon waters. The symbol of the sea called to serve as a foundation for our earth or for the soil of our heart is to be perceived as the truth about the blood of the cross of Christ due to which a person receives the right to the power to walk in the light of the truth and cleanse his heart from dead works by sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ by having fellowship with the saints as it is written but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin 1 John 1 7 in Hebrew the verb cleansed means justified restored in his rights to communicate with God by worshiping God in spirit and in truth. In the book of the Revelation of John, the foundation of our earth in the form of righteousness received in the truth of the blood of, cross, of the cross of Christ is the symbol of a sea of glass mingled with fire. Revelations 15, 2-4 And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the numbers of his name, standing on the sea of glass having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and, tr just and true are your ways, O King of saints who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. The symbol of the waters as rivers, to be perceived as the faith of God abiding within our heart, the flow of which is called to bring us to the place by God goal, which consists of the power of the law of the spirit of life, destroying the stronghold of death within our body and erecting the stronghold of life in its place, and to examine as to whether our earth is truly founded upon the seas and established upon moving waters is to be done by de determining what our earth is full of or what nature fruit is bearing. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. Therefore, we'll look at now at the next phrase of the studied by us proverb, by, understand, by understanding he established the heavens. Considering the fact that we are studying the heavens in the body of saints, in this place of scripture we conclude that only a specific saint that have grown into full measure of fullness of growth in Christ possess, possesses the ability in their spirit of opening heavens and declaring the glory of God. We need to ask the question, what, by what signs do we determine and examine ourselves as to whether God, by his understanding, has established the heavens in our spirit, which is the carrier of his thummim and urim. 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no, spe no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words do to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. By its rising is from the end of heaven, and a circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Psalm 19, 1 through 6. According to the given revelation, we conclude that God has established within our spirit the heavens when he set in set in them the tabernacle for the sun. We conclude that until God by his understanding does not establish the heavens in our spirit with the two great lights, we will not be able to fulfill our calling to be carriers of his light, which is in our spirit the unification of the Thummim and Urim, and furthermore, God will not be able to call us his nation. I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. Isaiah 51, 16. This is also a parable and also talks about the fact of what will happen in the, in the body of man. The next sign that we are looking at within this proverb by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we, we are the clouds of the Most High, consists in the phrase, by his knowledge, the depths were broken up. When it's talking about depths, it appears in the Bible as the meaning of great waters that fill everything that is seen and visible. When God from the unseen or invisible created what is visible, then all of what was existing was water. The great depth of waters is the midst that contains in itself material. The, re the regular water that we drink, uh, it was salty water, and God created everything, the earth and the heavens and the, and the man. He created this from, all, from salty water because the salty water contains all of the minerals from which a person is created, and the minerals that are in the ocean, they are also in the blood of man. The only thing the, the men of study cannot understand is why the ocean is not red. So that we can understand from what material, from what midst he created the heavens and earth. As Peter said, everything's created in the water and from water. And so the great depths of water is the midst for, that contains material for the great and good intentions of God. That is the visible creation that needs to be created for man and is purposed to be the eternal house of the Most High. From one side, depth is a specific uh, greatness that has no measure or is not able to be calculated and is also a greatness that identifies the visible uh, three levels that are visible to us and also the invisible. Then God said, let there be a light and, the, and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night so the evening and the morning were the first day. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. God created light and he breathed his life into the into the minerals that were 
And so when God said, let there be light, the waters that were existing that were dead became alive. In the great depths, God had breathed the light of his life, which created the mineral life. In the, in the original, it says, let there be, where it says, God said, let there be light, let there be life or resurrection, because life and resurrection are the light. And so it began to be called the um, living mineral life, and, and he then created the visible uh, world in the form of the invisible world. That by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, any reserved for fire, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3, 5 through 7. If you remember, God then separated the waters that were under the firmament of the heavens from those that were under the firmament of the heavens. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters that were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. But the earth did not yet exist at this time. Just the waters were separated at this time. And there was a specific opening between the waters that were above and that were underneath. And there was not yet an earth that existed. Yes, the heavens. He... But everything was still water and nothing yet was there. And so the verb where it says he, uh, where it says that he uh, broken up means to to brew over, to separate. Broken up comes from the word as a hen that sits and broods over, uh, broods her eggs. She moves them around. She, uh, this is the very same uh, definition uh, that applies here. And and so what uh, the rest of the languages where these words are translated, uh, theologians only look at the uh, original Hebrew or the Old Slavic. As it's translated ag absolutely exactly to what the Hebrew is showing, Hebrew a Bible shows. And so that means to separate, to uh, open up, to pierce through, to pour out, to uh, rip apart, and to see through. And also chop through is another definition. And so in the body of man, in order to break up the depths of waters, it is necessary to uh, fight something because there's a stronghold of death is there. And in order to create and establish a heaven and earth in the body, uh, here, of course, is referring to only within the body of man this could happen. And so... 
if we paid attention, the separation of the waters that were above the firmament from those that are under the firmament, no one was resisting God at this at when this was happening in the physical uh, universe. And so, of course, when this is hap- going to be happening inside of ourselves, there is going to be resistance. And this is reigning sin, the old person that is supported by organized powers of darkness that resist God. The symbol of separating the waters from that were above the firmament from those under the firmament is when a person, by the process of sanctification, leaves his nation, the house of his father and his destructive desires and therefore prepares the heavens of his spirit for the uh, for them to be established by God's understanding then God said let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and this will happen only when a person has left their nation the house of their father and his destructive desires when he by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ died for these Three. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1, 9 and 10. After the appearance of the dry land, the word of God grew all kinds of plant life. But the heavens were not yet uh, founded uh, or established. The heavens were not yet established because the, the true two great lights were not yet there and the stars. And so he grew this plant life, this uh, uh, vegetation. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seed and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth uh, brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Genesis 1, 11 through 13. And now when the earth is bearing good fruit, and God finally... Uh, establishes the power of heavens over the earth placing over the firmament of the heavens uh, in them the two great lights and the star to separate the light from the darkness then God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the earth is already growing it's a Plant, plant light, the plant life already grows. Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let there be, then be for signs and seasons, for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And so comparing the establishment of the heavens in these two great lights uh, with the establishing of the heavens in our spirit as the Urim and Thummim. These two great lights are the Urim and Thummim in the heart of man that will establish our heavens. When we leave spiritual infancy, God receives the ability to uh, allow us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our spirit 
and God then receives the ability to hear our voice. And the final, final phrase states the clouds drop down the dew. This indicates the fact that the dew that brings forth light brings water or waters our earth or our grounds that are redeemed by God. When it says dew, it's talking about life that is within this dew, this is the dew of life. The earth that is redeemed by God in the form of our body adopted in the redemption of God is the symbol of the promised land that is the treasury of God that contains the bond of all of God's promises or the unification or the gathering of all of God's promises. The clouds within our body containing the moisture that brings forth life, that waters the soil of our heart and makes it able to bear fruit is a revelation of the Holy Spirit given for the adopting of our bodies by the redemption of God. The opportunity to reveal the truth within our heart, the Holy Spirit receives this ability by the true two great lights that are placed by God in the heavens of our spirit, whom the Lord then establishes. Because of the work of these two great lights within the heavens of our spirit, the soil of our heart is uh, warmed and then receives the ability for this uh, dew to come about and water it. And so all of the grasses that the, were created, this is the history of the heavens and the earth then when they were created and the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before the earth of the, of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Genesis 2, 4-6. And so again, we're talking about leaving uh, spiritual infancy, dependence from the house of our father, our nation, and our fleshly desires. And so if our clouds will not be able to receive the moistures of the revelations of heaven and pour out upon our earth in the form of truth, then our depths will not be able to be broken up. Rain down you, you heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 45, 8. We need to understand that this is one of the important signs that we study today. How our new person comes about within our heart, how he grows and how the stronghold of death will be destroyed, the stronghold of death in our body. And so if we have not understood this, this is the way, shortly I'll remind us, when we're born from the word of truth, we were the depths of waters where the earth and heavens existed from which God then created. Many people stop right in that place and they will never, they don't allow the Holy Spirit to do any more. He doesn't give the Holy Spirit leeway to uh, allow their earth and 
and uh, to be formed they don't have the light they don't have the resurrection they come to God but that's where they stop because they are immediately convinced you come to God today you two three months of courses and now you go to evangelize these people consider that they are being condemned to hell unfortunately and if anyone follows after their example will also follow the same way if you want to be a light for the world you see what kind of work God needed to do in our bodies so that we can finally become a light and control first of all our own earth warm our own earth so that our earth bear fruit God has placed a goal that if you will not bear fruit your earth will not bear fruit then you will not be able to be saved which that your good work your service of any kind even if you give your body to be burned and everything you have you give away there's no good because you don't have the love of God that would be able to bear fruit to God that would be able to build your relationship with God properly and because this is not being preached people are not able to have it they themselves reading the Bible are not able to have this ever because faith is from hearing the word reading is necessary the more we read the more we when we hear and then uh, the things that we've read then some this will produce something but if we're just uh, told these things but we're not reading it also won't work we reading is also very important and when you read you will will be seeing this preached word and and then you hear this preached word God will reveal things in your heart let us now pray and all those who desire to resist all sorts of fear illnesses, sin, dependence, we wait for you in this place. And God will battle here for your souls and will win this battle. Amen. Let us pray. And may the Lord bless us. I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you, He is not against you. Lift your hands to God, close your eyes, this is your secret room. You are ready to receive from the Lord what He wants to give you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I open up my heart. It's open before you. You see what's inside. I love you. Even though I'm bound by sin, I hate sin. You see my fear because of illness, because of shame. I hate illness. I hate fear. I love you. I love your word. I believe that your word, anointed by your Holy Spirit, is able to break this fear, destroy it within my heart, and can lift me up upon heights that are unreachable for me. I believe in the life of your word in my heart that it is able to destroy the stronghold of death in my body and erect within my body the stronghold of resurrection. I thank you for your resurrection in my body by Jesus Christ. 
And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all of these blessings, the blessings of the ancient mountains and the everlasting hills, be upon you. May the stronghold of death be destroyed in your body and the stronghold of life be erected in your body. May this be upon you and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. The Lord is blessed now and forever in his resurrection that has been established in our heart in the form of these two great lights, the Urim and Thummim, and has given us the ability to hear the voice of God within our heart and allowed God the proper basis to hear our voice. And now let us finish our service with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.